Jesus told his disciples that they would do even greater things than he did while on earth. What would it look like if a church stood in agreement that Jesus meant what he said? A church that not only believes it, but lives out this greater life on a daily basis. What would it look like to be greater? Welcome to Life Church today. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you and uh, glad that you're here. And I uh, just want you to know I, I'm very cognizant of what's happening after the service. And so it's going to be a great victory now and later. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Good, good, good. All right. But the Lord told me that if I took like a special offering for missions, the Packers would win. I'm just teasing. So it's great to see all the green and gold, see everybody and all of that. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Second Kings. You need to go to the Old Testament and check it out in the table of contents in the beginning. Uh, that's totally fine to do that. Second Kings chapter three. Second Kings chapter three. Um, as we're in this series on greater, last weekend we talked about having a greater perspective and how that our lives really gain perspective when we look at it in the shadow of the cross, and really how the cross itself. It's all about the vertical relationship of loving God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And that horizontal cross beam of loving our neighbors ourselves. And that when we live life that way, we really have greater perspective. It, it, that's, that's kind of the foundation. Today I want to talk to you about having a greater preparation. Because here's what I believe. God wants to do great things. But we have in life what we have because that's what we can handle. I think that God wants to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we could think or ask. That's what the Bible says. He wants to do greater things among us. That's what Jesus said. That's his desire that because he goes to the Father for us that we would do greater things. But I think a lot of times is we're just kind of wishing and hoping and just maybe waiting for it to happen instead of preparing and preparation, there's nothing that's really exciting about preparation. Preparation is a lot of hard work. Preparation is, um, it's not even an easy word to spell. I mean, it's just one of those things. It's just, but at the end of the day, uh, preparation and separation are one of the two most misspelled words in the English language when it's written out. It's just a, I, my, I'm sorry, I have adult ADD. It's like, there's a bird. So that's why I said that. Um, the, the, the reality is, is that we just we just don't. And we just kind of think it's going to happen. And really, when it comes to spirituality, when it comes to God, we just kind of think we'll get zapped at some point. God will just kind of do it. If it's supposed to happen, it's supposed to happen. But that's fatalistic mentality. That, that, has, that, that, has no, that has no theological, holds no theological water in the life of a Christ follower. We walk by faith and not by sight. We are led by faith and not by emotion. And so that means that we have to act and then allow God to show up. We have to get out of the boat and begin to walk on the water. Then Jesus will support us. We have to, we have to, and it's an upside down kingdom, right? The Bible says if you want to be first, you've got to be last. If you want to have friends, you must first show yourself friendly. If you, if you want to receive, then you must first give. Well, it's the opposite of what would be counterintuitive to our natural uh, mindset. So is true when it comes to what God wants to do in our lives. We have to prepare for what God wants to do. Because here's what I do believe. I believe God has great things in store for Life Church. I believe God has great things in store for you and for your future and for your family and for your kids and for your grandkids. And the Bible says the blessings of God go to the, even to the third and the fourth generations. 
I believe God has great things for Aaron Cole. But I believe all of those things are not if I don't prepare for what God has for me. If I don't operate in faith. What is faith? Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 is faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's speaking things that are not, preparation as though they are. So, I want to show you an account in the Old Testament. A historical documented fact of something that happened and how this, this greater preparation uh, comes into, into this, this, uh, this conversation. There were three kings who had an alliance. There was the king of Israel, the king of, Is- of Judah, and the king of Edom. And they were also in alliance with the king of Moab. But Moab kind of went rogue and were kind of this rebellious king. And so the king of Jerusalem, the king of Edom, and the king of Judah got together and said, we've got to go deal with the rogue king of Moab. And so let's go deal with him. In order to do that, the shortest distance between two points is a straight Line. So they planned their strategy going right through the desert in order to attack and to deal with this rogue king. As they are going into the desert, halfway into the journey, they hit a problem. Now understand, these are kings. These are not low-profile low individuals. These are men of resources. These are men of means. These are men of armies. These are men of, of supplies. These men are just not going, hey, let's just go this way. No, no, there was strategic thought put in what they were doing. This wasn't happenstance. They had conferred. They had talked before they took any type of action. They'd been in the proverbial situation room and had made a decision. This is where we're going to go. This is how we're going to go. We've got all the resources that we need. We've got all of the power that we need. We're going to deal with the king of Moab and we're going to bring him into this alliance or we're going to annihilate him. That's what's going on. The Bible says, if you have your Bible, 2 Kings chapter 3, verse number 9, The Bible says this, So the king of Israel went with the king of Judah and the king of Edom, and they marched that roundabout route seven days, and there was no water for the army nor for the animals that followed them. The Lord, uh, excuse me, and the king of Israel said, Alas, for the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. Now, I, I want to stop here and just kind of walk you through this. Because before we tell the whole story, because here's what's happening. Again, these are smart guys. These are guys with means. These are guys with resources. This was not part of the plan. They get in this far and they run out of water. They're seven days in. What does that tell you? There's no way out. I can go so many, well, they say you can go 40 days without eating. I don't think I can go four hours, but that's just another story, right? So, so you can go, but you cannot go more than, say, three, four, five days without water. These guys are seven days in. So them, their livestock, their animal, everything that they have, the entire entourage, all the armies, everything that they need, they're seven days into this situation. And seven days in, they run out of water. Remember, they're walking through a desert on their way for a direct attack. There is no water to be found. It's a very hopeless situation. It's a, very, it's a very dismal situation. It's a problem that they've had. And so these guys are supposed to go do what they're doing. They're called to go do what they're doing. It's intentional what they're doing. They've got resources and they, got, they have means. But the reality is, is, that, is that they find themselves in this problem. Let me give you a statement. God's direction is not always problem-free. God's direction is not always problem-free. 
When God tells you to do something, God tells you to go in direction, you feel like you've heard from God to take that job, to take that transfer, to go to that university, to, 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 to marry that person. Amen. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. You, you whatever it may be, to, I'm going to trust God with, with bringing the tithe or, or I'm going to trust God with this. I'm going to start doing, serving this area of ministry or I'm going to do this. When that begins to happen, whatever good it is that you think that you're called to do, I'm just telling you it will never be problem free. All hell will break loose. You begin to start tithing and honoring God with the first 10% of your income, everything will break in your world. It's just the way it happens. You, you, you go in and you say, hey, man, I'm going to go and do this job. And all, all of a sudden you get there and the job they told you that you were going to have isn't there. And it's not compensating you the way that they said it was going to compensate you. And then there's problems. And it's just you get married and you lost that love and feeling. It's gone. Right? All of a sudden it's just all of a sudden the honeymoon is over. Right? Whatever it may be, and reality has set in, right? You've been waiting for that baby. You've been praying for that baby. You've been believing for that baby. You've been trying hard for that baby. Amen. God bless trying hard for babies. You've been doing all that stuff for the babies. And finally, the baby comes, and it's the middle of the night. And you're thinking, dear God, the direction of God is not always problem-free. Right? So just because God's called you doesn't mean it's going to be easy. I don't know why we think that. We think, well, if God called me to plant this church, it's going to be easy. Contraire, mo frere, most churches that are planted this year won't make it. Only one out of five will make it. There are cities in America where they are trying to plant a lot of churches, and there's one particular city, I just read the statistics, and only one in 20 will make it. Those are all people believing for God, wanting to reach their city, wanting to do something. Why wouldn't God bless it? I, I don't have the answer. I'm just telling you it's not always problem free. But don't confuse obstacles or closed doors for an absence of God's favor. Don't confuse obstacles or closed door for the absence of God's favor because it may very well be that it's a total opposite. Sometimes God allows us to get into the middle of the desert where there's no other way out so he can show up and do the miraculous. This is funny to me. Everybody wants the miraculous. But we don't ever want the uncomfortable position that precedes the miraculous happening in our life. Have you thought about that? I mean, people ask me, Pastor, you like miracles? Not really. No. I like a blessed life. A blessed life is much better than the miracles. So here's what I'm trying to say. I don't want to, pa- I don't want to smoke, you know, two packs a day for 40 years and have emphysema and have God do a miracle. I just much rather just not smoke and not have cancer at all. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'd much rather just God supply my my needs and pay my bills. I never have to go and say, oh, God, I'm I'm up to my yin-yang in debt, and I'm about to lose my house and my car and everything else, and all of a sudden God provides miraculously. I I like the blessed life more than miracles. But we, there's something about our human condition that we love the miracles. We love in that midnight hour when God's going to show up. My God, somebody call me a taxi. We love that. We like preachers that preach like that. They sweating, wearing a big towel. and We just like it. And it's something about us because God showed up. I love when God shows up. But I'd much rather God just be there the whole time. You know what I'm trying to say? So the reality is, is that when we do what God calls us to do, sometimes we think it's just going to be easy. And it's not. God's direction is not always problem-free. So they're in this desert, no way out. Look at the solution, verse number 11. And Jehoshaphat, love that word, said, There is no prophet, is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord by him? So one of the servants of the king of Israel announced, 
or answered and said that Elisha is here, who poured water on the hands of Elijah. That's a funny statement to me. And Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat went, and the king of Edom went down to him. Now, just think about this for a second, because we read all this stuff, we don't think about it. So, first of all, you need to understand the way God operated in the Old Testament is that there was always a prophet there was a man of God who would hear the voice of God and would declare the voice of God to the nation of Israel. Okay, So today we know that the Bible, Bible says in Hebrews we have a great high priest. We can go directly and get that to the throne of grace and, retain, and attain mercy and get whatever we need. We, just, we call on the name of Jesus and he's there. Right? Old Testament, you had to kind of go through the man of God, you had to go through the priest, you had to go through the prophet. And those were two different offices. They still are. But, 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 but there was the priest that atoned for your sins for the nation of Israel. And then there was also the prophet who was the voice of God. And so they were the ones that heard the voice of God and spoke the words of God. And so they're basically saying, where's God in all of this? And so they say, well, there's a guy named Elisha. And Elisha is a prophet well, what did Elisha do? Well, he poured water. He washed the hands of the great prophet Elijah. It's like saying, we need a quarterback right now. And I'll tell you what, we've got, this is, this is Eddie over here. Eddie used to clean the footballs for Brett Favre and now for Aaron Rodgers. Eddie's never really been in a game. Eddie's never really suited up. But Eddie wants to be a quarterback. But he, he's taking care of it. So he's prepared everything. He's kind of taking care of everything and kind of, here you go, here you go. I mean, really, this guy is relatively unproven. Now, we know who Elisha is because, again, we have historical understanding. We know that there was a double portion of God's anointing on his life. We know he did twice the number of miracles and, and twice the amount of prophecies that, that Elijah did. But at this stage in the ballgame, man, he was just an assistant. He was just somebody that was there helping he was around greatness, but he never really did anything. But they said, bring him to him. Bring him to us. And he become, becomes the person that God wants to use. Now, I want you to make a statement here. When you find yourself in a situation where God's called you to do something, you find yourself, your back's against the wall, and there's no way out but up, God always has a solution. God always has a solution. I don't care. And right now, I'm just going to tell you, like, there's been many times as a pastor at Life Church that I've had to come to you as a church body and say, listen, I really don't know what's about to happen. I know I'm your fearless leader, but follow me, and I don't know where I'm going. Because when we follow God, there is this sense where we live life palms up, which means I'll go where you want me to go, I'll say what you want me to say, and I'll do what you want me to do. Do I like that characteristic of God? No. I'd much rather God just email me, kind of download what's about to happen, communicate it to me. I can stand before the staff like I know everything. I can stand before you like, let me tell you what's about to happen. See it happen. I, I know these things because God and I, we're really tight. There's a lot of times where I'm like, God, have you told somebody about this in the congregation? Because I have no flipping clue what you're doing right now. I don't know what's going on. All I know is that I'm praying and I'm fasting, not a whole lot, but I'm fasting some, I'm believing <laughs> it just seems like the heavens are brass. It feels like my prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. You ever been there? You may be there today. God, where are you? You mean you're not going to send your first string person here? You, you mean you're not going to send the person? Elijah is gone, so Elisha, who poured water on the hands of Elijah, is here. So you're not, what, God, what's going on? 
Am I not important? Have I lost something? God, have I sinned? Have you ever asked that question? I ask that question sometimes. God, am I missing something? Right? I mean, it's like, it's like where are you, Lord? And God always has a solution. I, I want you to understand that. It doesn't matter if he's not yet revealed it to you. He always has a solution. The solution here is the man of God named Elisha. Look at verse 15. Elisha comes, he shows up, he's the man of God, and he makes this statement. Now bring me a musician. And then it happened when the musician played that the hand of the Lord came upon him, came upon Elisha. Now, we, again, we read this, and we don't really get this, but let me show you this. So Justin's going to come and help me. Justin, can you come on out? Justin's going to come help me on the keyboard. I'm going to illustrate this to you. Because what happens is, is we're talking, and we hear this, and we do all this. Somebody keeps dinging over here. I don't know who this is. Ding, ding, like turkey's down. I'm really hungry right now. So, uh, so and so, anyhow, so we, we get this thing going. So, Justin, whenever you're ready, just play a little something for me, a little, you know, just... Just all, just keep playing that, Justin. Let's just be quiet for a minute. Just like, right? You know what I'm saying? Just come and this is good. I mean, if I could play the piano like that, folks, I wouldn't be preaching. I wouldn't be pastoring. I would just play. And come so it's so all of a sudden. So we, so, so we hear that. So he says, he says, bring me a musician. Bring me someone who can begin to play. And it's interesting how that God always uses people. And he uses gifts, Right? So God's going to use Elisha, the, the prophet of God, the man of God, to hear the voice of God and to tell the people of God what it is. God's going to use the people of God to do what the man of God, what God has said for them to do. But he's going to use a musician. And as the musician begins to play, all of a sudden it's like the heavens open. You can stop now. It's like the heavens open. But when the musician's not playing, it's like, it's just flat. You know what I'm saying? The air's left the building. Anybody? But when the musician plays, go ahead. This is good. Now let me show you this. So go ahead, stop. So, so like, like, okay, like there's songs. I don't know how you are, but I sing songs like all the time to myself and in the car and all everything else. And um, I can't sing all of them in church, but but this one I can sing. And so, but but like, so like when you hear the words of a song, have you ever read a words of a song on a lyric sheet, just kind of read it out loud? It's like there's a song I, I sing that I just kind of like a little chorus, and I need you more, more than words can say. I need you more, more than yesterday. I need you more. Uh, uh, than ever before, I need you more, I need you more, right? But when you put music to it, it changes it. Let me show you this, so go ahead. So when you go, I need you more, don't leave me hanging here. More than yesterday, I need you more. All of a sudden you feel it, don't you? More than words can say, I need you more. Than ever before, I need you more. I need you more. All right, that's good. So, right? So all of a sudden you kind of feel that a little bit like, wow, he, you know, he can sing a little. That's all right. No, I don't mean it like that, but I mean like, you know. But you felt that. You weren't feeling anything at all for the first 20 minutes I've been talking, but that you're like, oh, yes. Just quit preaching. Just shut up. Just sing. Here's my point. What happens in the moment is when the musician begins to play, all of a sudden the word of the Lord begins to come down. And as the musician plays and the word of the Lord comes, all of a sudden it does something. And that's what happens in our own life. 
In a few minutes, I'm going to have the whole band come out, and we're going to have an opportunity for you to move from where you are, come just to find a place to pray. And in that moment, what happens transformatively is that God begins to show up. The Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people. That's where he lives. The Bible says that as our praise goes up, the glory of God begins to come down. Thanks, Justin. Y'all give Justin a big hand. So that's what's happening there. I want you to understand that in the middle of the desert, in the middle of all that, that's exactly what's happening. Now let's read on in verse number 16. God answers. He hears the voice of the Lord. And he says, you don't have to play anymore. And, and, and he says, thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. For, for you shall not see the wind, nor shall you see the rain. Yet the valley will be filled with water so that you, your cattle, and your animals may drink. And this, I love this statement, is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. He will also deliver the Moabites into your hands. Kind of like a PS, right? So think about this just for a minute. He makes this statement. God, God begins to speak, and he makes this statement. Look, here's what's going to happen. When the praise goes up, God's word comes down, and in that moment, God speaks. And God says, here's what's going to happen. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to act in faith, and I want you to fill the, fill the valley full of ditches. And when you do that, you're not going to see the wind. You're not going to hear it. You're not going to see the rain. You're not going to feel it. But, but, but you're going to look up, and at a certain point, the valley is going to be filled full of ditches. And that's going to provide for you and your animals and your armies and for everything. And oh, by the way, this is easy for God. This is low-hanging fruit. This is just a chip shot. This is no big deal. And FYI, PS, postscript, you're going to win the war. They're not even praying to win the war. It's just kind of like, there it is. And the Bible says that Elisha and the musician leaves. And so what begins to happen is exactly what we're talking about when we talk about greater. If you want to live greater, this is the one statement you've got to get. This is the one thing that comes out of this passage, is that preparation always precedes provision. Preparation always precedes provision. Preparation always precedes provision. God does not provide where you do not prepare. If you want God to show up in your life, if you want God to do greater things in your marriage, in your home, in your finances, in your ministry, whatever it may be in your life, you've got to begin to prepare yourself. God will speak. You do what he tells you to do. But guess what? If you don't dig the, the ditches, it's not going to fill with water. God's not going to provide until you prepare. So I want to illustrate this with you. Because here's what happens is we got this shovel right here, right? You got a good old shovel. And so you've got to get out there. And so they're telling them, what I want you to do is get all the shovels you can. This is a desert valley, and I just want you to begin to dig. And so you just put it into the ground, man, and you're just digging in. I'm just, I know I'm on the stage. You're digging in, and you're just kind of turning the dirt, and it's hard, and it's just hot, and you don't feel like it, and, and your back begins to hurt because you're out of shape like I am, and you just keep going, and all of a sudden you go, and, and in those moments, see, what's happening is, is you remember the times where you're, you're remembering that, I need you more, but there's no musician. He's gone, right? He's left the building. He's, he's over having a, a, a grande skinny cinnamon dolce latte at Starbucks. Why? 
while you are out there digging the ditch. Amen. That's what happens. Amen. So all of a sudden, so you're out there doing that, and you're digging the ditch, and then all of a sudden your, your hands become callous, your heart, your, your, excuse me, your, your, your back becomes sore, your shoulders become sore, you're sweating at the sweat of your brow, and you're thinking to yourself, this is a desert. This is crazy. How is this going to happen? I don't know, man, but this is what the man of God said. He better be right. This is what's happening. I'm telling you, these are the conversations that are happening. That pastor better be right. <laughs> that preacher better be right. That person better be correct. You know, God, where are you right now? Because we do this. We're, we're called to do this. We act in faith and we begin to dig the ditch. That's what we can do. But only God can bring the rain. Only God can fill those ditches full of, full of water. Only God can do what God says he's going to do. So what do you and I do? We look up and we go, man, there's no rain. We look up and we feel there's no wind. We look up and we go, we just have, we're just throwing a bunch of dust and a bunch of dirt. And so what do we do? We just can't keep digging the ditch. Because a lot of times what happens is we're supposed to keep digging that ditch and we're supposed to keep turning that dirt. But what do we do? We quit. Why? Because it's hard. We quit because, we, well, maybe I was just excited in the altar and I heard that guy singing and playing and Justin and Pastor, they had it kind of going on. And, and it, that really wasn't the Lord. That was just me and I got excited. So you just kind of just kind of drop the shovel and you just kind of go, I'm going to do something else. How many people, I'm telling you, all the time, just quit instead of picking up the shovel. Because this isn't, there's an, can I say this? Uh, Tammy, I may get in trouble with this. There's nothing sexy about this. There's nothing fun about this. There's, this is hard, hard work. And what happens is, is all of a sudden we're doing this over and over and over. And can I tell you something? Do you know where the work happens? The work doesn't happen in the altar when you're praying. That, that's important. You need to have the word from the Lord. The work doesn't happen when the, music, the musician's up there playing or the singer is singing. You know where the work happens? It happens in the silence. I'm telling you, that will tweet, preach, Instagram, or Facebook. Put my name on it. I'm just telling you, that's how it works. It happens in the silence. When you're out there working, when you're out there providing for your family, when you're out there doing what God's called you to do, when you're taking those classes, when, it, when, when, when you're out there and God's telling you to do something, and everybody else is quitting on you, and you're out there. When everybody else turns their back on there, you're out there. Because you're going somewhere. Because God's called you to do something. God's called you to be something. God's called you to something greater. And so you go, I'm not going to see the rain. That's all right. I'm going to keep digging the ditch. That's, the rain's not my responsibility. That's God's responsibility. I'm not going to hear the wind. Oh, and I love to have a breeze right now because I'm so hot. I'm so tired. I'd like to have a break. But that's not what God's called me to do. The wind's God's responsibility. I'm not going to see the water, fill it. I'm not going to do any of this. When I'm done digging and I've done and d dug enough ditch and when I have given and given and I have gone and I've gone and what the Apostle Paul says, when I've done everything that I know to do, just continue on. When I just continue to dig the ditch, and I've continued to give, and I've continued to work, and until my hands are bleeding, and my back is sore, and my sweat is pouring off of my body, and I've done everything I know to do in the marriage. I've done everything I know to do in the home. I've done everything to know to do with the prodigal son and daughter, but the word of God still comes to me, and I keep standing. Why? Because God is not a man that he would lie. God's word is true, and I have to operate in faith, and I keep digging the ditch, and I keep digging the ditch, and I keep digging the ditch. Why? Because it's not my responsibility to ask where the rain is or where the wind is or where the musician is or where the man of God is. God's word was spoken to me. I receive it. I keep digging the ditch. And one moment, I stop and I look up and verse 20 happens. And the ditches were filled. 
This is how great things happen in people's lives. Great things don't happen because God just wants to show up like fairy dust and sprinkle it on a few people and not on the other. Great things don't happen just because you happen to be at the right place at the right time. Contrary to popular opinion, most men and women in Scripture who did great things for God were at the wrong place at the wrong time. They were born in the wrong birth order to the wrong family and the wrong places. Look at Jesus. Hello. Thank you. Bueller. Anyone? Anyone? I'm just telling you. It's the way it works. The question is, are you willing to dig the ditch? Are you willing to dig that ditch for your family? Are you willing to dig that ditch for your marriage? Are you willing to dig that ditch for your calling? Are you willing to dig that ditch for what God's called you to do? I'm just going to be honest with you. In this day and age, right now with the attrition happening in ministry or the number of people that feel quote-unquote called to ministry and actually make it through vocational ministry, I can't tell you how many people I've had a conversation with because in church, big church problems, you're always hiring people. You're always. It's just part of it. Do you like that? I hate it. I, I just like to do it once and be done. Hire one, one kid's pastor and never have to hire another kid's pastor again. Right? That's just it. I, I'm not a super transient person. Hello, I've been here. This is my 14th year. I'm just, I'm here, right? This is what I do. This is, this is it. I'm called. I'm whatever. The reality, what I'm trying to say to you is that there are times where that just happens. It's just part of it. It's just, it's just, it just is what it is. But the number of people today that tell me, I don't want to move because I don't want to move away from family. Then just throw the shovel down. Because when did Jesus say, hey, as long as it's convenient for you, come and follow me. Hey, as long as it works out for your family, come and follow me. I had somebody say to me, you know, this is a big decision. Because we're moving away from family. And I said, Yeah. My daughters have only spent one Christmas with both grandparents for their entire lives. It's ministry. It's what we do. It's what our calling is. I don't bemoan it. I don't. Do you know how honored we are to do what we do? But part of my job is digging the ditch. My responsibility isn't the rain. My responsibility isn't the wind. My responsibility isn't the miraculous. My responsibility is to respond in faith. And to do what God asked me to do. What's God asking you to do? Stay where you are. It's digging the ditch. Step out of your comfort zone and trust him. It's digging the ditch. Believe him for what he's putting in your heart. It's digging the ditch. Stay in that marriage because that's, what, that's a covenant that God brought you together. It's digging the ditch. Working through the relational dif- difficulties. It's digging the ditch. Being where you are. It's digging the ditch. Staying committed to Christ. It's digging. I don't know what it may be. But I do know that God will speak. And when he does, our responsibility, Susan, we're just to dig the ditch. That's all we're called to do. Do you know how much freedom there is in that? I'm not responsible for the wind. I'm not responsible for the rain. I'm not responsible for the miraculous. I'm not responsible to feed and take care of all the armies. I'm responsible to hear the voice of God. And God will speak if I'll just listen. And to simply do what he asked me to do. But how many times do we put qualifications on that? I'll do that if. God, I'll be obedient to your word if. Well, I don't know that God's not really spoken audibly to me. It's called the Bible. 
It's 66 books of God's inspired, infallible, and inerrant word to you. Let's just start there, and then let's ask God to speak extra things. Is that cool? I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be sarcastic, but I'm just saying, I do the same thing. Oh, God, where are you? And God's like, hey, just why don't you read the Bible, Aaron, and just, let's just work there, right? Let's just do that first. Why? Because I like the miraculous. There's nothing miraculous about a ditch digging shovel. But there is. 